This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Over the river and through the woods to Grandma's house we went, huh? Trudging through the snow today. I'm glad you made it here. You know, we had one say, Pastor, are you going to have church? Well, why wouldn't we? And I don't mean that ugly. It's, It's the truth. I believe it's important to come to church even when it's bad out, and if it's too bad, I respect you to stay at home, but I'm glad you're here today. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, get it up really high, and we're going to get right into the Word. We are on our our last part of our series on GPS, uh, Give, Pray, and Serve, and so turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Just real briefly, as you're turning there, like I said, if you need a Bible, get your hand up. I just, you know, in one of the, the uh, part of the song they were singing that says that the, the sin that's bound us, I, I believe that sin tries to bind every one of us. And just as they sang that, that part of that verse, allow that to get on the inside of you, that at the name of Jesus, that very sin that has tried to bound you, it'll bow to the name of Jesus. Just get in there by faith and begin to speak that the name of Jesus is above whatever that is. Because what happens is when we've been bound by sin, ultimately it leads to shame. And I I can raise my hand immediately and say, I've been shamed by some of the stuff that I've done in my own life, but thank God the blood of Jesus will take care of that. And So I don't know who I'm speaking there, but if sin is trying to bind you, start speaking the name of Jesus. Amen? All right, 2 Timothy chapter number 1 is where we're going to be in... We, we have a heavenly father that he has, he has marked every one of our hearts for his purpose and his plan. And God's purpose and God's plan is, is always about people, always about people. And so this morning I want us to understand when we talk about this that we are supposed to embrace every generation. Every generation we are to embrace them because we're kingdom builders. Now let's begin here in 2 Timothy 1 verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed or embarrassed of the testimony of our Lord. Now you think about your testimony. Testimony means to testify. And so he said, don't be ashamed to testify about what God has done for you. Don't be embarrassed about what God... In other words, we ought to be ones that boast and we ought to be ones that tell people, you know what God's done? This is what he's done in my life. And then he goes on to say, this is the Apostle Paul, and nor of me his prisoner. Now Paul defined himself as a prisoner of God. In other words, I'm God's. Everything that he wants me, I'm his. And he goes on to say, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel. Now, oftentimes we read that, we look and say, is there sufferings for the gospel? Yeah. If I'm going to live loyal to Jesus, I'm going to suffer suffering and I'm going to suffer persecutions, but that's okay. That's what he wants us to do to say, you know what? I'm not backing down from who I am and I'm not backing down from what the Lord calls me to be. And he ends in this, and then he jumps into verse 9, according to the power of God, who has saved us, and he's called us with a holy calling. Now, you know what a holy calling is? That's all about the kingdom of God. 
So he's saved us, and he's called us, and he's purposed us, and he's graced us. Every one of us in this room. And I believe it's easier to say this way, that God saves us by grace, he calls us by his grace, and he purposes us with his grace. Now, after this week, we finish this series, I'm going to go into the literal meaning of grace in the next few weeks to help us understand that God is the God that graces us. The word grace literally means to empower. God empowers us. But today, if he saved you, then he's called you. If you're saved here this morning, in other words, you've had Jesus come into your life, he's called you, he's marked you with a holy calling. Every one of us in this room. Now, when we talk about saving grace, when I'm saved, it means I'm connected to Jesus. But if I'm connected to Jesus, then I'm called. And if I'm called, that means I'm called to serve. And my life is more than just about me. He saved me for reasons far beyond just me going to heaven. He saved you for reasons just beyond you just going to heaven. In other words, he marks every one of us for us something to do right here on earth. Now go with me to the book of Mark or Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in Matthew quite a bit this morning. Matthew chapter 5. And when we look at this here, I have a holy calling, you have a holy calling. Now in Mark 5, the Lord Je- or Matthew 5, I'm sorry, Mark, Matthew 5, the Lord Jesus here is addressing the, the character of, of kingdom citizens. And if you're born again, you're a kingdom citizen. So we begin in Matthew 5, verse 13. I'm just going to throw this in there to start with. The starting of verse 13 and the starting of verse 14, he's going to say you. You. So we begin in verse 13. You. You. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Now note there, he didn't say you're going to be the salt when you get to heaven. He said you are the salt right here on earth. Keep reading. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? How shall it? Now, what is the word it? The earth. Remember, he said, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will the earth be flavored? So when we talk about earth, God wasn't telling us, man, you got you to gotta really change the trees and the grass and the mountains. The only thing that will be in eternity is people. So when he talks about the earth here, he's telling me and you, we're to be the salt. We're to reveal the godliness to people right here on earth. But if salt loses its flavor, it's as if a seasoning that loses its flavor. And if a seasoning loses its flavor, it's of no value. And so God's telling us, I've called you to be the salt. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. You are. A city that is set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. So God never wanted us as believers to be hidden. He wanted us to be the influencers. Now, when you look at salt and and light right here, he's telling us as uh, as kingdom citizens, we are to impact secular society. And that means wherever you work at, wherever you play at, God wants us to be the salt line. 
And you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you work at a place right now where you think, I'm the only godly one there? I did that for years of my life. And I thought at times, God, you've got to get me out of here. There's no Christians here. But God knew that. And God also knew that he called you to be the salt and the light of that place. And that's not easy. That's why we read earlier where the Apostle Paul said, there are going to be sufferings. There are going to be persecutions. But it's all for the name of Jesus. It's all for him. And so when we look at these two verses right here, you are the salt. You're the light of this world. You're the ones that make a difference. And so the Lord is telling me and you, we are literally his hands and his feet right here on earth. And that's what we're all, no matter what your occupation is. Thank you for that excitement. Verse 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. Some of you, this will date you. You remember uh, the old little Sunday school song. Hide it under a bush. Oh, no, we're going to let it shine. Remember that? Well, God never intended you to be born again and then be a closet Christian. He wants you to be out there, and this is what this verse is talking about. And, and he goes on to say, Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all. A-L-L, all. You know what that means? Every person. It gives light to all. And so this tells me right here, God is literally concerned about every person on this earth. So if he's concerned about every person on this earth, we're talking about how we must embrace generations. Every generation. And so we're to be the light to all who are in the house. That's verse 15. Verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. That they may actually see your good deeds. That they may look and say, that person is different. That person is concerned for things beyond himself. And he ends with this, and see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So when we read this right here, God wants people to see our good works. But if you'll notice how he ended the last verse there, it's all for God's glory. It's not about my recognition. It's not about how popular I want to be. Everything that we do here on earth is the channel back in and people say, that's a person of God. That's for God's glory. That God never intended us for us to have a platform so the world can sit here and see me and say how great we are. No, everything that happens with us is to go back to the glory of God. And that was his design right here. And so the recognition isn't about me. The recognition always goes back to the kingdom of God. And one thing that will locate you, if you're looking for recognition for yourself, you're eating up with pride. And pride goes before the fall. And so it's not only that I'm a representative of God, but I become very humble in the way I represent God. And I say, man, Lord, it's for your glory. Now turn just a couple pages to Matthew 20. Matthew 20, now we're going to really dig in here, and you're, you're getting ready to really, really, really get blessed and see some insight that the Lord Jesus is going to give us. Matthew 20, we begin in verse number 20. Matthew 20, 20. 
Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from Jesus. Now, the mother here is the mother of James and John. And be very careful what you ask for your own life and be very careful for what you ask for your children. Watch what plays out here. And Jesus said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in the kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you will ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? Now when you see the word cup there, it is used to signify either great joy or great sorrow. And so Jesus said, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Keep reading. And be baptized with the baptism that I am to be baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. So Jesus said to James and John, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Now I'm going to stop right there. Remember the mother said, I want this for my boys. Understand this first of all about James. James was the first apostle to be martyred. Be careful what you ask. John, on the other side, was heavily persecuted and exiled. So once again, what they did, it was for the kingdom of God, but it wasn't great all the time. So he goes on to say, but to sit with me on the right hand and my left is is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. The other ten apostles, they're mad. Who do these two knuckleheads think they are? Do they think they're so much greater than we are? But Jesus begins to clarify some things right here with them. But Jesus called to them, to himself, and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. So what he's talking about when he mentions the Gentiles right here, the Gentiles right here, they love to throw their weight around. That's what he's talking about. And then he says, literally, their power goes to their heads. So he's saying, listen, guys, you don't want to act like the world in this situation. You don't want to imitate the world in this situation. Verse 26, yet it shall be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, Let him be your servant. Let him be your servant. So he goes back and he really talks about the world's view is when I'm in leadership, I'm over everybody. Everybody else is underneath me. But Jesus says that when you're in the kingdom, the leader in the kingdom is servanthood. So the world's concept that he's talking about is greatness is defined right here by position, but in the true kingdom or the kingdom, true significance is by the way I serve. And literally right here, he's talking about sacrificial service. So to be great in the kingdom of God, I've got to serve and I'm going to have to sacrifice. But the measure for the children of God of greatness isn't the way I rule, it's the way I serve. Completely different than the way the world looks at. So I think right here that when you look at the, the, the passage in Luke 15, the, the, the prodigal son, it says when the prodigal son first started out, he said to his father, give me, 
give me, give me, give me, give me. And what happens with that is he took what his father gave him and he tried to imitate the world. And remember as he tried to imitate the world, his life got horrible and he finally came to his senses. And when he came back to the father, he said, Father God, make me into a great servant. Right there in that passage, you see the difference between the, wor- the way the world thinks. Give me to the way the Father God says, make me. Now, right here in this passage right here, you'll begin to see how Jesus will show us the example. Verse 27. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. In other words, to be a slave here, you know what? You're going to have to give your life away. Verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Now think about this. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And look how Jesus came to serve and to give his life a ransom or a payment for many. And so Jesus right here, He becomes the the example, but many times we get it backwards. We think everybody's come to serve us. But he said, no, you come to be a servant. And oftentimes, one of the reasons we don't like to serve or we're intimidated about service is we don't think we have the ability. And when you go back to one of the great leaders of the Bible, Moses, he said this, he said, Lord, I'm not eloquent in speech. But that didn't disqualify him at all. See, the key to this inability, the key is availability. And when I come out and I say, Lord, as a servant of you, who you've saved me, and since you saved me, you've called me, I will serve whenever and wherever I'm needed. Now listen, listen real close. If you're saved, you're called with a holy calling. Not if you want to. If you're saved, then you're called. Now, they don't know I'm going to tell this story on them here this morning. And they didn't give me permission, but oh well. This this is uh, Chris and Valerie Williams. Raise your hand so they know you're here. Thank you for being obedient. They were in our church a couple years ago, and they moved to Dallas. But before they moved, they were very involved in, in serving here at the church. Actually, Valerie was on our adult praise and worship team. They don't know I know this story. But when they came back, she was asked, Valerie was asked, are you going to serve again on the adult praise and worship team? And she said this out of her mouth. I'm not needed there. I want to serve where I'm needed. In other words, I'm not picky about where I want to serve. I just want to serve. And that's exactly how the kingdom of God should function. Now, if you were going to ask me today, Pastor, what's the greatest need in our church right now? I don't say this to downplay any of the other ministries that we have going on, but the greatest need in our church right now is in our children's ministry. That's the greatest need right now. And a lot of times, when it comes to servanthood, people will say this, well, I'm not called to that. No, no, wait a minute. If you're saved, you're called. 
And he didn't say just to a certain things. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, King David was called. Well, you're right, he was called. He was called to be the king, but he didn't start as the king. Understand that. He started with the very opportunity that was given to him. And so I look at the children's ministry. And oftentimes when we talk about servanthood, if, if it's not popular, if it's not fun, if it's not convenient, if I don't get great recognition, then I don't want to do it. But see, this is where it goes back to. i got to have the heart of a servant. Now, I'm not going to say this to brag on myself, guys, not at all. But last week in the first service, I was honored to speak to our children, our elementary age. I spoke upstairs, and I had a ball doing it. I, I literally loved it, and it, it moved me that as they started their praise and worship, I saw 10, 12 of them. They came down to the altar without any prompting. The heart of a child... And, and they got on their little knees and they began to just worship God. And then when it came time for prayer, I was beginning to ask them what they needed to pray for and pray about. And guess what? The heart of a child is they understood, if you'll pray, God will move. The innocence of a child. And it began to move me. And, and man, it took me back 30 years ago when I first started ministering and having the opportunity to serve, and I loved it. You know why? Those kids, they laughed at my jokes. You guys don't laugh. And I got to act out things. I, I probably ought to do it more up here, but I come very dramatic when I'm there. And so I had a slingshot. Man, I brought my David slingshot, and I had my five pebbles, and they begged me, please don't shoot one of those. You'll put an eye out. And so, man, I would just illustrate and. I think back here that as I would pull that slingshot, their little eyes would watch me. And all they wanted, guys, is they, they wanted to touch you. They wanted someone to recognize you. And so the key is an ability. The key is availability. That God's saying, just come on, I need you, I need you. Now look over a couple pages to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Now, this, this is going to locate us. And this will be one of those passages that you'll either say amen or oh me. If I wasn't in here this morning speaking to you guys, I would be back upstairs, I promise you. Just the opportunity to speak in children. You know, on, on one of our Sunday morning services, there was over 70 children upstairs 35 of them were young boys. And you know how many men we had up there? Uno. Uno. Now, I do know the ones of you that do serve up there, and I say, say thank you. I mean, we got great. I, Joel and Peggy, they, they serve up there together. Jim Morphew sells up there. Uh, Eldon and Darla Rogers. I mean, Chris Cook, there's so many that serve up there. And I say thank you, but more so Jesus does. What I'm saying, guys, I, I'm not preaching condemnation. I'm not going to punch you in the head. But I do believe we need men up there. We need women. Wives, get your husbands to serve up there with you. You know why? Because as men, usually we're intimidated by stuff like that. You can do it. Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven. 
I'm going to repeat that twice or three times. For the kingdom of heaven. For the kingdom of heaven. This is how the kingdom of heaven operates. It's like a man traveling to a far country who called his own what? He called his own servants. So if I'm saved, I'm called. He called his own servants and he delivered or entrusted his goods to them. So in other words, God goes to a faraway country, the Lord Jesus, and he says, listen, I'm going to entrust you with these so you can manage this place called earth with my goods. Verse 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each one according to his own abilities, and immediately he went on a journey. Now, everything he gave those guys, those were potential. He said, I'm I'm entrusting you with potential. Now, if you'll notice on there, and this is what I call the 5-2-1 syndrome. One was given five, one was given two, and one was given one. If you'll note in there, every one of them was giving something. No one was saying, listen, you don't have anything, okay? You just sit on your little blessed assurance and don't do nothing. No, every one of them were given something right here to impact the kingdom of God. And when you look at what the Lord said there, nothing was about my agenda. You go in there with your agenda. No, it was all about what? The kingdom of heaven. Now, a lot of times, there's two ends of this spectrum right here. The first side is ones that have five talents. They come across like, I'm so special. I'm God's gift. Let me remind you of something that the Lord said in Luke 12, verse 48. To whom much is given, much is required. In other words, when you've been given a lot, you better get busy. You better get after it. But the other spectrum of that is the one who only has one, a lot of times they'll say, I don't have nothing to give. So I'm not going to do nothing. No, if you'll note in there the 521, you were given something. Every one of us in this room. And so when you look at what takes place here, you can't use an excuse, I'm overwhelmed. Because God gave you those talents and what he gave you, he said, you can do it. So not only did he give them to you, he's going to grace you to fulfill them. But if I fail in my assignment, I'm going to fail because of one of two reasons. And this will prove out here in the scripture. You're either wicked or you're lazy. Hold on to that thought because we're going to come back to it here in just a little bit. So it's not what I have. The question is, what am I doing with what I have? So we keep reading, verse 16. Then he who had received the five talents, he went and traded with them, and he made another five talents. He got busy. He went to work. And likewise, he had received two, gained two more talents. And so both of them, the one that had five and the one that had two, they made the best of their opportunity. They did something. This is a true story. There was a lady who had served in children's ministry all her life. She started getting a little bit older, and she started developing arthritis in her hand. And she said, I think it's time that I retire from the children's ministry. Can I tell you something? There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. 
He's never called any of us to rise. The only time you're going to require is when you check out of this earth and you go to heaven. So this, the Lord tells this lady, no, I didn't call you to retire. He spoke to her heart and said, I want you to rock my babies. I want you to rock my babies. In other words, I want you to hold my babies and just speak the blessings of God over them. Now, that will be one of the greatest rewards in all of heaven, I believe. You know why? Because most people don't even know they're doing it. And when most people don't, you know you're doing it. You know what you're doing it as to? You're doing it as unto the Lord. And understand this. God sees it. God sees it. So don't ever look at, well, I'm just the baby rocker. Are you kidding? That has kingdom significance. That's what we got to understand right here, even in this situation. And so we go back, and a lot of times when we're called or we think we're called or we're not called, a lot of times people will respond, well, I'm not called to be a baby rocker. Well, think about King David again just a second. He was called to be the next king, but he didn't start out as the king. He started out right there with the opportunities that were given him. Keep reading. Verse 18. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground, and he hid his Lord's money. Now, I want you to really highlight that. He hid the Lord's money. He hid the Lord's talent. Understand, it's the Lord's, and the Lord gave it to him. So when I look at this, he buried his potential. He buried what wasn't his to bury. And I look at this and I think, he he was selfish. He basically said, I'm not going to do nothing. And he didn't. So then we jump into verse 19 and we start reading here. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants, the 521, came and settled accounts with them, the 521s. Now listen, listen. This is what's going to happen in our lives. The Lord's going to show up, and with every one of us in this room, there are no exemptions. He's going to say, what did you do with the 521? What did you do with the talents that I gave you? And he's not going to look at any of us and say, listen, I know you were really, really, really busy. You're excused. That's not going to be one of the choices. And so in reading this parable right here, you find out there's only two options. Only two. Keep reading with me. Well, Pastor, you're really preaching good today. Verse 20. So he had received five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides him. His Lord has said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides him. He, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, now listen real close here. Well done, good and faithful what? Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, when he says, well done, good and faithful servant, That's not a title that's just given. That's a title that's earned by me actually doing something. That they may see our good works. 
that we're the salt and the light. And so right here, guys, look at this. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the first option. That's the option you want to hear God say. Well, I wasn't called to that. No, 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 no. If we're saved, we're called. And then he goes on to say, at the end of verse 23, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Back to King David. He's anointed to be the next king. But once again, he doesn't start as the king. So the first opportunity that David has to serve, it's over the sheep. And that wasn't a real prestigious job, but David was faithful with the sheep, and so because he was faithful in that area, God moved him up here. And then David's next great opportunity was against a guy named Goliath, and David was faithful in that opportunity, and so God moved him up. And the next area that David had an opportunity was he was faithful as Saul's armor-bearer. And so you begin to see he's faithful here, he's faithful here, he's faithful here, and ultimately God said, you've been so faithful, dude, You're now the king. But too many times, we think we have to start up here, but God doesn't work that way. God's saying right here, this is the proving ground. But pastor, I'm not called to that. Yes, you are. If you're saved, you're called. Ow, that hurt. See, in my own life, guys, I started speaking to fifth and sixth graders, and I did it for two years, and I loved it. And I was intimidated by it at first. I thought, I can't do that. But who God calls, God graces. God will help you. So we keep reading. Verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and hid your talent. Get that, get that. I went and hid your talent. I went and hid what you gave to me to be your hands and your feet here on earth. And look, there you have what is yours. Now, this is option number two. Look at it in verse 26. But this the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. Servant, you wicked and lazy servant. And if you'll note here, Jesus didn't ask him and say, were you called to serve there? He never asked him that. He gave account on what he did, and the Lord said to him, you wicked, and you know where wicked is? When I'm wicked, I have something against or toward God, and lazy, that's pretty easy to define. It was just a lazy butt with two T's. Spiritually. And so I look here and and there's no other option. That I'm called to serve and you're called to serve. And it's big to the kingdom of God. So big that he said, you're the salt and the light. Now in John 18, 37, the, the, the king at that time was a guy named Pilate. And Pilate looked at the Lord Jesus and said, Jesus, are you a king? And Jesus said to him, You've rightly said so. And then Jesus says this right here. For this cause I was born. For this reason I was appointed. 
What was the cause that Jesus was born? Just look around you. People. People. And Jesus not only served, he sacrificed and he said, for this cause. So is it going to cost me? Absolutely. Actually, to do any of the GPS, it's going to cost you and you're going to sacrifice. To give, it's going to cost you. To pray, it's going to cost you. To serve, it's going to cost you. But every sacrifice is based on preference. And so if I really heed what Jesus is saying here, man, i got to get a hold of this. It's going to cost my, my resources. It's going to cost me my time. It's going to cost me my energy. But not only is it rewarding to think this, to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. But what do you think about this when you get to heaven? And you have this little, little bitty boy who's now in heaven and you're in heaven. And he comes up and says to you, I'm here because you served in children's church. I got born again because you took the time. See, I don't know if that stuff moves you. It really moves me. And the Lord has even said to me, he said, you've got to stay connected to all generations. Stay connected. And I love to be with those children the other day. And I go to youth conference. And I, I sit in the back of the auditorium with all those teenagers, 5,000 teenagers. And I'll just sit back there and cry. I'll just weep and weep and weep and weep. Because I've got to be kingdom-minded. I've got to get over there and hold on to this. Now, one more scripture and we're going to get out of here, maybe. You guys are really good. Mark 10. Mark 10. Woo, we've got to get a hold of God's heart here. And I say thank you to all of you who serve. Thank you. I, I see what a lot of you guys do. And I'll try to give my best to tell you thank you. But listen, your greatest reward, if, if I don't notice you at all, comes from him. That's who i got to do it as unto. And I appreciate what people... I, I don't know a lot of you if you realize how much goes along here on Sunday mornings, all the volunteers it takes. Thank you to be kingdom-minded. Now, in this passage we're heading here, this is where Jesus deals with the, the rich young ruler. And Jesus tells him, he said, listen, dude, you've got to give everything you got away and give to the poor. And it tears him up, and he says, I'm not going to do that. And Jesus' disciples looked and said, man, if the rich can't get into the kingdom of God, who can? And Jesus said to him, he said, listen, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. And this is where we pick up. Mark 10, verse 28. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, And surely, or mark my word, I say to you, there is no one who has left or given up house or brother or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Now to break this verse down right here, Jesus tells him there's none who has sacrificed house, comfort, that's what he's talking about, my comfort of my home, my siblings, my parents, my wife, or my children, or lands, my job. Listen, listen. For my sake and the gospels. So was Jesus telling us that the kingdom of God, that the Lord Jesus and the gospel was to be above my comforts of my house? Yeah, he was. 
And is he telling me it's supposed to be above my siblings? Yeah. My parents? Yeah. My wife? Yeah. Surely not my kids. Oh, absolutely, yeah. My job? Yeah. And when we actually sacrifice every bit of that above all those things he lists, look what happens in verse 30. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. You know what that means? Right now where we're living. Now listen to me. We don't serve to get all this, but I will tell you that when I sacrifice these things for the kingdom of God, this is just going to happen. This is what takes place. And he said, you'll receive in this life houses, woohoo, brothers and sisters. You want to see something incredible there? When you sacrifice a house in verse 29, in verse 31, or verse 30, that house now becomes plural. Look! It said, houses. In other words, God's going to bless you incredibly. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions or troubles. And in the age to come, eternal life. So when I put the kingdom of God above all these things here on earth, I'm blessed here on earth, but even in eternity, I'm going to be blessed. And he ends with what I call the great reversal, verse 31. But many who are first will be last and the last first. You know what that means? The ones who were on this earth that were first, and they threw their power around like they were really special, they'll be last. But the baby rockers will be first. Now when I read all this, that, that what he's talking about, Jesus didn't exempt any of us, none of us. And Jesus wasn't about excuses. The day's going to come. He's going to say, what'd you do? Now, when we talk about servanthood, servanthood isn't just about showing up. It's not just that I serve, but it also jumps into, how do I serve? How do I serve? I mean, we can have a, a greeter at the door, and when you walk in, they say, Good morning. Or we can have a greeter when you show up that says, Good morning. And man, you look and think, Wow. And it's the same as the usher. So when I greet, do I greet as unto the Lord or do I greet unto Travis? When I usher, do I usher unto the Lord? I just usher unto me. Come through the motions and say, I shouldn't even have to do this jump. When I serve in the children's church, do I do it as unto the Lord? Because that's where my reward comes from the Lord. And it's if Jesus is standing here today and he's saying, I ask you to serve. Let's take it a step further. He didn't ask us to serve. He commanded us to serve. He commanded us, if you look at that. And he's always looking for ones that will serve. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.